Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you joining me here in the Live Inspired Movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode, I have amazing guests join me to share their story, their successes, their failures, their lessons, their life. You will hear profound and unforgettably inspiring stories, but more importantly, you will take away real ideas to apply in your own life. My friends, my goal here is to have guests on this show that will inspire you to choose to wake up from accidental living so that you can live inspired. On today's episode, I have the honor of introducing you to a friend that you may have heard of because she's got a massive radio following. Her name is Amy Brown. And yet, maybe in hearing her on the radio, if you have, you may not know the depth and the power and the profound impact of her story. It's a beautiful story. She's got a beautiful voice, and you're going to hear both coming up next on the Live Inspired Podcast. So, my friends, it is time for you to buckle up, open up your minds, your hearts, your notepads, your journals, and get ready for the ride of your life. Welcome with me onto our Live Inspired Podcast, our new friend, Amy Brown. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we are delighted to have you on. And Amy, I follow you. I listen to you. I uh, love the movement that you're part of. And I realize that not all of our listeners may be as familiar with Amy Brown as I am. So for those who are not, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do today professionally. Well, uh, my, I guess, professionally, I um, work in, in radio and as a, as a co-host, and I've been doing that for 11 years now. I started in Austin, Texas with the Bobby Bone Show. Now the Bobby Bone Show is based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and not Austin anymore. And we are in over 100 markets. Um, but but what, what happened with that, with our show years and years ago was Bobby started a segment called Tell Me Something Good. And it, it took our show in a more positive direction. Mm-hmm. And from that, I mean, our company, I work for iHeartMedia and, you know, so do other personalities that people may know very well, like household names like Ryan Seacrest. And now he, too, does the Tell Me Something Good segment on his yes. show. If you have that platform and that opportunity, then, you know, I, I'm thankful that we get to be a part of using it for good. So anyway, that's my radio career sort of in a nutshell that led to the Love What Matters podcast, which is how you and I connected and got hooked up. And I guess about a year ago, the Love What Matters Facebook page was really blowing up like crazy. And they decided to do a podcast and they reached out to me. They've asked me to be a part of their cool movement because it just brings more positivity in my life. So for about almost a year now, I've been doing that podcast as well. And I know you have a lot going on professionally and personally. What what I'd like to do is to back all the way up, not only to uh, through your professional years, Amy, but even before then. Um, it's been said that everyone has a story. It's just usually not the story that we are telling the world, except in this case. You, through your communication skills, have been very transparent about your, your journey, and you're going to be sharing that today with each of us. We're extremely grateful for it. But Amy, where were you born? Where are you from? What was family like growing up? Um, I am from Austin, Texas, born and raised and um, lived in the same house my entire life, well, till I was 18. And um, but it wasn't, you know, this, you know, picture perfect situation by any means. I do feel like I came from a loving home, but um, my dad, I think I was well as eight years old when my dad left. Um, but you know, that was a a negative circumstance that, that it transformed our family in a really positive way. And I think at the time, you know, it's devastating. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm an adult, I can look back and I'm, I'm super, um, 
I mean, nobody wants to be thankful that their dad left. But I think there's always um, good that can come from the bad. And I think that was my first real experience of good coming from bad. Um, Tell me what what, what good maybe. came from dad leaving. Just kind of walk us through some of the positives that grew out of well, that. Well, as a, we never really went to church, um, and maybe Easter and Christmas. And then after my dad left, my mom was invited um, by some neighbors to go to a Bible study. And honestly, she kind of thought these women were a little crazy. Um, but so she, but, but out of, I mean, and I think she would, you know, say, I think, I, you know, I hate speaking for other people, but I recall her saying it was sort of out of desperation mm-hmm. of just being at the rock bottom and not knowing where else to go that she decided to accept their invitation to go to the Bible study. And they ended up not being as crazy as she thought. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually very welcoming and loving and encouraging and kind of wrapped their arms around her when she felt like she had nowhere else to go. And so at that point, we started going to church regularly, pretty much every Sunday and every Wednesday. And our lives completely changed because of that. Um, I saw my mom completely transform. I mean, she was always a really amazing person, but I don't think, um, you know, she had a certain light about her that she found when she, you know, started praying and uh, diving into her Bible and just becoming a different person and a different kind of mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for me to witness that transformation was really cool. Um, And really, honestly, the church we went to, that's where my sister and I both met the husbands (laughs) that we are now married to. So, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening right now wondering what church this is. And you're going to see a lot of singles showing up next Sunday. Well, I don't even, it's not, unfortunately, it was a really tiny church and um, it's since dissolved, but, but, but it's just crazy. I mean, that's just one example of, you know, my, our dad leaving. I mean, I could give you a ton, but I know we don't have all day. So I'll just give you one example of seeing the Lord work in my mom and and completely transform how she was um, as a person. And I saw her, you know, just be this crazy, you know, example to me of what hard work looks like. And then at the same time, still make time for me and my sister. And she would wake up every morning before work and her and two of her closest friends in the neighborhood, they would come over and pray for us every single day. And I was leaving for school, they were sitting around the coffee table. And I don't think, um, I really don't think they missed many mornings. And that's a really cool memory for me to have. That's one of the great things that came from my dad leaving. I mean, sometimes you have to be patient about the blessings that are going to come from the bad, but that's an example there. Um, you know, uh, I'm still close to my dad. Uh, it, he was still a great, great man. It still is, but he did leave my mom for another woman. And I think as a child, that was hard for me to process. And, um, but I never heard my mom speak ill of my dad mm-hmm. at all. And so that's always something that I find to be some great encouragement to anybody that's listening as a child that grew up with that. Cause I get that that's the reality that happens in families every day. Yes. Um, there's divorce. It's real. It happens. But my encouragement would be that, gosh, like, you know, my mom wasn't perfect, but I will say that's something that she did right. She had so many reasons probably to curse my dad down like five different ways. Amy, in addition to your mom, were there other examples of uh, of men and women or boys and girls who were really living inspired and mentoring you up as you went through school, whether that's grade school or high school or even later on? Um, well, I mean, yeah, there was what's crazy is uh, my husband's mom, which of course I had no idea at the time that she was going to be my mother-in-law, but she discipled me, um, and she's someone that I looked up to um, in a crazy way, his, his entire family. But it, my, I never, ever, ever thought in a million years I would ever marry him. Um, I won't, I won't tell be, him you said that, but you may want to make no, sure he doesn't I, listen to this. That could really hurt his feelings. I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> he was just older than me, and then he right. joined, um, right, he went to the Air Force Academy yes. for college. And then right after that, he, um, well, 9-11 happened when he was in pilot training. Mm. Um, so he pretty much moved to England, was stationed in England, and then spent 
half of every year in the Middle East because of the war. So I just never, he was never on my radar. And I, and I wanted to live in Austin. I didn't want to marry someone that, you know, traveled around, like that was in the Air Force. I, I appreciated that he served our country, but I didn't want to be a military wife. At least I didn't think. <laughs> so I just, you know, when it would pop up, of course, my sister was married to his best friend, so they yes. were trying to play matchmaker. I was like, y'all, I'm not marrying anybody in the Air Force. Like, it's just not happening. And then, anyway, he came back in town for a wedding, and we got married. But <laughs> but his mom played a big role in my life. And then, you know, also my sister's mother-in-law, who was my mom's best friend, played a huge role in my life. There was definitely, and all of those women came from, again, the church that we started going to. So I would say they were a big part of my upbringing and and, and, you know, even though my dad was absent, he was still a good, still a good dad. He just wasn't a very good husband, if that makes sense. Right. It, you know, it does make sense. You, uh, you mentioned this, this boy uh, overseas serving his country that you were committed to not marrying, and yet something changed. Why, why don't we pick up there? He comes back for this wedding. It sounds like you may uh, have connected your eyes and your hearts that night. What, what yeah. happened? What changed? And uh, and then walk us through the love story. Well, my sister, he was fly- So my sister's husband name is Ben, and then my husband is Ben, and they were best friends. But there was another best friend in the mix named Kevin. All three of them have been inseparable since they were, you know, like four years old. And Kevin was getting married. Obviously, we were all going to the wedding. My husband was a groomsman. He was flying in from England for it. And so my sister thought... I mean, we're going to all be staying in the same hotel, all of our families. What a better time to just really try to get y'all together. So they were, everybody was in on it, playing matchmaker all weekend. And I hadn't seen him in several years. He hadn't seen me in several years. I was always the annoying little sister. So who knows? I didn't even think he would be interested in me. And then, you know, it's, it's a wedding. There's music and dancing and, you know, probably some wine. (laughs) But, you know, kind of just makes you a little bit more. Um, you know, everyone's having fun. And then, uh, I guess just, we really spent a lot of time together throughout the whole weekend from the rehearsal dinner to the wedding to just, um, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday that we were all in Dallas together for this. And then he got my info, um, you know, once the weekend was up and said he would be getting in touch with me, like he couldn't wait to connect because he was going to be doing some training stateside and, it could just be perfect timing for us to hang out. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I don't even know what stateside training means, but whatever. And he did not reach out to me for like three weeks. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, okay, playing hard to get. But of course that got me even more interested. But it's not that he was doing it intentionally. I guess what he didn't realize about some of his training was some of it was super intense where they were taken to this, remote location for three weeks and like dropped off and they had no email or no phone. And he didn't know that that, he didn't know that that was going to be the case. Otherwise he would have never told me he, or he would have at least given me a heads up like, Hey, I want to get your info, but you might not hear from me for like a month because I'm going MIA. And, but I didn't know that. I just thought he was playing hard to get. And then he finally reached out to me. And then at this point I'm like super interested because, you know, I think he's, playing this game, which games work, people. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes they don't work, but maybe they don't. And then we started dating almost instantly, as, spending as much time as we could together while he was in the States. And that was in June. And then he proposed in October, and then we got married in December. So in a six-month period, we were um, dating, engaged, married. That's awesome. Yeah, it was I, pretty crazy. I know not only did your heart change for him, but I also realized today you have a huge heart for military families. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. We um, obviously, since I was a military wife, I know what it's um, I know what it's like, and to have a husband that served along not just people in the Air Force, but the Army, the Marines, the you know, he's he served with everybody. He worked with a with a joint branch. Um, so I've seen it all and I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a husband that has come home safely, um, every trip overseas, but I know that's not the case for others. And 
through the Bobby Bone Show and a movement called Pimp and Joy, which I'll touch on in just a minute, that was inspired by my mom's battle with cancer, um, we have made it a point um, through various fundraisers to support um, military people that uh, have a need. And sometimes it's a very public uh, way that we support to bring awareness. And sometimes we're able to do it privately through um, through listeners that we know have served our country and maybe they've um, lost a leg and, and they need mm-hmm. a, a new one or they've got various causes. So I love that we get to kind of just swoop in and do something like that. Um, but also... Most recently, um, we had a, a captain in the Air Force, Captain Nelson, who was, you know, encountered um, an IED while serving in Afghanistan and is now wheelchair in a wheelchair. And um, he has a baby girl and a wife at home. And through Pimp and Joy and selling these camo T-shirts and our amazing listeners, <laughs> in like a day, we raised about $100,000 that we were able to give to Building Homes for Heroes, which is an amazing mm-hmm. organization that that literally builds homes for heroes. And we were able to contribute that and give back to him because he literally is in that, that position because he risked his life for our country. And I don't think there's anything that we can do to ever pay him back for that. But um, we were able to help contribute to building his new home that's more accessible for him and makes his life easier and his Mm -hmm. daughters and his wives. So, I mean, that's just one example of why um, we choose to give back to the military. Everybody has their different causes, but the military will always be near and dear to us. Uh, Well, thank you. And thank you for serving them. And and thank your husband, too, on our behalf. You mentioned your mom and you mentioned this this great movement called Pimp and Joy. Uh, I know. It's it's kind of a crazy name. It does get some... It's a great it name, some, highly memorable, oh, highly effective, and yet I know it's your mom, uh, of all people, that helped inspire it. Talk a little bit about your mom. You've already celebrated how she raised you. Talk about uh, some changes in her own life and how it affected you. Yeah, she was an amazing um, person, and she was diagnosed with cancer in 2012, and we pretty, pretty much spent uh, the bulk of two years battling that Um in and out of remission and, and it metastasizing into other things. And because I, on the Bobby bone show, I'm so open with my personal life and everything that was happening. And I had to miss work a lot. Um, you know, my mom being single, my sister and I were the main caregivers and there was my, my work and Bobby and iHeart, they were so wonderful to me being like, Hey, if you need to be with your mom, then you miss the show. And it's not like I'm an accountant and I, you know, I can crunch numbers from afar yes. or you're on I, or you're off. I'm on or I'm off. Right. And the listeners were very aware. It was like, okay, well, we can't keep this private. I'm basically going to be missing the show for a week or a day or sometimes even longer. And so we decided to be very transparent with my mom's journey and, um, listeners, what? I'm curious, Amy, was she, you're transparent naturally. Was your mom as open to you being transparent in front of 5 million other uh, listeners? She wasn't very public, but she didn't mind me sharing her story. As long as we were true to what was happening and true to her, she was fine with it. But she wasn't a very vocal person. Um, But she didn't mind us um, doing that. So listeners were just really um, curious about her journey and, Um, We spent a lot of time in Houston at MD Anderson and a lot of time in waiting rooms. And so she wanted to get on Twitter to kind of follow me in the show. And then I was like, and mom, yeah, you can engage with listeners. Like if you tweet or get on Instagram, like you can, you can talk to people and we can keep them posted with what's happening. And her motto um, through cancer was, she's like, okay, I'm going to choose joy. There's no point in me being down about this. Um, That's going to be, what I'm going to have to do. And when she was diagnosed for the third time, um, mm. we went straight to the chapel and I at the hospital. And I remember her prayer wasn't, it wasn't a selfish one. It was actually the opposite, very selfless. And she just, um, just a paraphraser. She was like, Lord, like this cancer's back again. I don't not, I don't even want to pray for you to take it away. Um, obviously that's, she would love that, but she's like, just, use it for good in some way, shape or form, use this cancer for good. And I think at that point we had already created her Twitter handle, which was 
Judy be pimp and joy, which I jokingly, her name was Judy. And I just typed it in because she wanted her Twitter to be Judy chooses joy or something like that. And for whatever reason, everything we were typing in that day that had Judy and joy, it was, they were taken. And so I literally remember being in a waiting room at MD Anderson and I'm typing Judy be pimp and joy. And it was like available. And I was like, well, that's kind of funny, <laughs> you know, and um, yes. You know, pimping meaning, um, pimping meaning uh, representing, um, which we've had some backlash sometimes because of the word pimp, which I totally understand. And uh, but but for us, it meant Judy is representing joy. And so we went with it. And then from that, the hashtag pimp and joy is really a hashtag. Um, pimp and joy was born through Bobby and me and my mom and the show and our listeners as a way to hashtag how you were choosing joy in your life or how you were choosing to spread joy to others. And you can now it's super cool because you can go to that hashtag and you can be inspired right away. Like you can see how it's changing. And then, um, so we use that on social media, um, to update people on my mom with the hashtag pimp and joy, and then to communicate with listeners on spreading joy. And then, um, uh, Walker Hayes is a, a country artist who wrote a song inspired by my mom called Joy Like Judy, and it's the official Pimp and Joy theme song. And from that, Joy Week was born, which we have a Joy Week every week on the Bobby Bone Show. And mm-hmm. country artists from, you know, uh, Tim McGraw to Carrie Underwood to um, Brett Eldridge yes. to Garth Jake Brooks. Like, You've had some big names. Garth, yes, the big names. They come in and participate in Joy Week. And, um, my mom fortunately got to hear the first Joy Week and make a music video for her Pimp and Joy theme song. And I would say about six weeks after, no, I'm sorry, sorry, not six weeks, about six months after um, that Joy Week and the song came out and the music video, my mom lost her battle to mm. cancer. Um, but about a week before she died, we finalized our first Pimp and Joy uh, product, which was a black pimp and joy hat. And so we have a whole pimp and joy line of merchandise, which we shall sell through the shop forward, which is, um, an online company run by one of my best friends that everything they sell, um, gives back. It pays it forward. They, um, it's very mindful. It's an easy way to go to the shop and just know that whatever you're buying is going to be something, a cool gift for someone or for yourself, and you're going to give back in some way, shape, or form. But Pimp and Joy was her first, um, her first, I guess, client, if you will. So it's crazy how that unfolded because she had wanted to start the shop forward, but then, you know, the, the urgency of wanting to get these hats up. Um, and then the timing of my mom's death, we were like, okay, we need to get these up ASAP. So boom, the shop forward went live and boom, hats went up for sale. And we sold out in crazy amount of time. Like websites were cra- like, it yes. was just crazy. All the good Our stuff. Listeners rallied together, all the good stuff. So since then, um, we've done multiple hats and shirts and totes and all kinds of crazy things. But every single time the, the sale of the merchandise has 100% of the proceeds go to a good cause. And so I say that so that people know that it's so crazy. I will be in an airport in any given city, maybe that our show's on or our show's not on, or my sister will be at the mall with her kids, and one of her kids will be like, Mom, there's a Pimp and Joy hat. There's, um, there's you know, Marmy, which is what they call my mom, their grandma, Marmy. And so I get goosebumps every time I say that because now She's that— She's still with you, Yes. She's still with us. She's still, and some people don't even really know the backstory of Pimp and Joy because they don't, you know, some, we don't have time to always explain where it's coming from, or maybe they just come upon it and they think it's cool and they want to buy it. But for my family, like when we see that, that's an answer to prayer. Like my mom legit prayed in that chapel that day, you, Lord, use this cancer for good. And whenever we can, through the shop forward and the Bobby Bone Show and Pimp and Joy, like write a check to help somebody out, to help St. Jude, to help, um, you know, a military family, to help a listener in need, to help the orphanage in Haiti where my children live. Like we get to do that because 
my mom's prayers being answered. Mm. Her, her Kent and Joy has allowed her cancer, which was so awful and horrible. It was the hardest thing I have ever lived through in my life. Her cancer was not pretty. It was brutal. It was, I lived through hospice, which mm-hmm. was, I never, I never knew really what hospice was till we went through it with her. And it was the most beautiful thing. And again, Pimp and, well, Pimp and Joy has, has given back to Austin, Austin hospice, like, because I am so thankful for them and how they helped us with that transition from life to death. Yes. And, um, so anyway, Pimp and Joy is a movement that is my mom's legacy and it is an answer to her prayer and it's super cool. And I, the Lord works in, in crazy ways. And I know my mom would be, if she was alive to see the, the crazy um, ways that Pimp and Joy has impacted people, um, she would just be over the moon. Cause even she was a little hesitant with the name Pimp. Yes, I, would I remember imagine. her being like, she's like, she's super conservative. She's like, are you sure? What is this? But she never even got to see the first, she got to see the first hat, the mock-up like a week before she died. I got the first mock-up of the hat in the mail and I've got a picture of her wearing the hat, holding up a peace sign. And it's just so adorable and cute. And I will forever love that picture, but it was kind of cool because they rush ordered some hats. And so at her funeral, which we actually didn't call a funeral, we called celebration of life. Um, all her pallbearers yeah. um, got got to wear this these black pimp and joy hats. So, Amy, are you, are anyway, you willing to share the picture of your mom in that hat with our community? Oh, sure, yeah, All yeah, right. I can send it to you. So we, yeah. we we in our in our show notes, we're gonna have that picture and any uh, any other pictures that Amy wants to pass along. Along, of course, with links to Amy's sites and yeah. pimp and Joe joy and everything else. She would probably be mad at me, but too bad she can't um, because she has she she can't fight it because but it's so cute and I've shared it and I don't mind sharing it. But it, again, it, you'll have to keep in mind when you see the picture is about a week before she died, so yes. she was um, very frail and um, and no makeup and really skinny, and she would probably be mortified. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. It's all about her journey, and it's super cool. Well, I think it's a picture of courage and uh, a, a woman who is going out on top, pimp and joy until the end. When, yes. My sister, you don't know this about me, I would imagine, but I have four sisters. One of them is named Amy. I've always, I love all my sisters and I love Amy, who is a loyal listener. When you say I the name it. Amy, you can't say it without smiling. And every oh, time I meet God. an Amy, uh, I smile, but I also notice the gal that I'm looking at is also, she, they're, they're always beautiful. They always just radiate joy. I think the name brings about joy. And this this movement, Pimp and Joy, I can't think about it without smiling, whether I'm thinking about your mom, thinking about the journey, thinking about you seeing randoms in airports throughout the United States or world wearing these hats, having no clue really what the significance is behind I it. I've, I've, I've run into a tree before because I saw, a, I saw a, a guy walking across the street in a Pimp and Joy hat. Um, <laughs> And I, I was so fixated on it. I was yelling across the street. I was like, Pimp and Joy, like, what up? Like, that's, that's, that's my mom. And I was turned back so focused on him that I walked right into a tree. And um, that, that's just, anyway, that's just one small example of how excited I get when I see someone in a Pimp and Joy hat. I just sometimes don't even you walk into know trees. my surroundings. Exactly. Yes. It, it was not a great moment like my friend that was with me <laughs> right. thought I was gonna have a bloody nose like it was bad like I was injured but I'm fine now <laughs> you've recovered Ho- hopefully you know I figure if you're gonna get injured at least record it you know at least if you're gonna I really know. get hurt at least have some video evidence to make you laugh downstream no trust trust me we were downtown and I I reached out to the city to see if there was surveillance footage of it because I knew it would be classic oh, yes. but unfortunately how the cameras were they didn't we weren't able to access it but I tried trust well the me. good news is next time you you see the Pimpa joy uh man running you'll you'll do it again so we'll, we'll have the evidence maybe the second time through yeah. Amy, when you look back at your mom's life, uh, I mean, she sounds remarkable. And, and the movement that she never saw, she somehow spearheaded, which I just think is so cool. Yeah. What, what, what are what are a couple things that you really learned about your mom? And, and then we're going to shift gears into the Live Inspired 7. But what are a couple examples that you really learned, characteristics 
that you learned directly from either the way your mother handled challenges when you were a baby girl or the way she handled the the coming end of her life as you were a woman? Um, I think she was, to me, she was the epitome of grace. Um, Growing up, I always saw her extend grace to so many people, and she handled things with um, grace. Uh, She was very selfless. Um, and again, I think you, you could, you, I, you heard me mention her prayer, um, her strength and tenacity amazed me. She never complained. Uh, I feel like sometimes I catch myself complaining about the silliest things. And while she was going through the trenches of a very painful cancer battle, I never heard her complain. And it always fascinated me. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I was still complaining in the midst of her. While she has this stuff going on, she was not complaining. And, I, you know, I think I touched on this, you know, when I was talking about when my dad left. She never spoke ill of him. She never complained about her circumstances. She never complained that she had to go back to work because now our home life had changed. She never, she was always very positive and um, persevered. And, you know, she wasn't perfect. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to paint her as a saint, but really she did have this drive about her that was very, um, you know, you, you couldn't, you couldn't deny it. Like she was just very welcoming to, to anybody in our home. She worked with, um, in a prison ministry and there were several times we had women living with us that were fresh out of jail because they had nowhere else to go. But my mom wanted to invite them into our homes. And as a teenager, sometimes I even thought like, oh, is this safe? Or even after I had moved out and she had a woman living with her that was fresh out of jail that had a crazy Mm ex-boyfriend. Like I thought like, mom, you're, you don't need to do this. Like you're putting yourself at risk, but that's just how she was. Like she just was um, very loving and encouraging and, and and a fighter. Like, and that's what she would tell those women that were coming to live with her. Like, if they had crazy ex-boyfriends that probably are the ones that landed them in jail, my mom put her foot down. She's like, you're not dating them anymore. And these were grown women, (laughs) like, you know, but my mom was strong. Like she just was, her personality was very, very strong. And whether it was taking in women like that and telling them you need to be better than this or, you know, battling cancer and telling herself you are stronger than this. um, She was just an inspiration to me and, so many different ways. Like I, I, I think I could be here all day if you really yes. wanted me to tell you what she meant to me. But like when I think of her words that come to mind are joy, um, uh, perseverance, uh, and grace. Mm. Amy Brown, uh, your mother sounds amazing. And when you catch your breath after you get off your podcast and your movements and your radio shows and your uh, your responsibilities at home and you find time to write a book about your mom, you let me know. And uh, oh. I look forward to reading it. I'll stand in line to buy it and then I'll promote it on wow. this show. But it's your, mo- your mother's amazing. And uh, what I wanted to do is to shift gears away from um, what we've been chatting about into what we call the Live Inspired Seven. There's seven questions that we ask all of our guests, and uh, I'm excited to ask you these seven as well. Amy Brown, what is the best book that you have ever read? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think something that changed for me when I read this book, I, it's, it's hard to ever say, okay, this is the best book. Yeah. If I were to give you my really cheesy answer, I might say something like Hunger Games, all three of them, because... <laughs> um, Good. My mom and I, my mom and I read those together, but that, that didn't like change my life or my perspective on things. I am, I'm a huge fan of Jen Hatmaker. I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with her. I am. Um, but she has a book called interrupted and, um, and then another book called seven and her, I mean, and I've had the opportunity of, of meeting her and her husband and they're the real deal. Um, but that's, I'm just, I'm just going to give you that book. Cause it's those, well, those two actually, and I read them out of order. I actually read seven first and then from seven, I read interrupted, but it was just all, it totally changed my perspective of, um, 
of life in general and how we, I'm a Christian, um, and, and kind of my community of where I came from, um, sometimes how as Christians, we can get a little too legalistic on things and it'd be all about what we're, what we're against instead of what we're for. And I'm like, why sometimes are we on this like crazy pedestal of, okay, this is what we're against is what we're against when, um, Christ really wasn't that way. Um, her books really helped me dig a little bit deeper into um, what it looked like to sort of have my faith interrupted. Yes. <laughs> um, sort of like like she had experienced. And since then, her and her husband have had a crazy shift in, in how they minister to people in a church that they started. And so I, w- I really, I'll just, I'll just throw those books out there because I challenge you if you're in a, if you're a Christian or even if you're not, um, and you kind of just feel like you're just going through the motions and you are caught up in kind of, this is what we're supposed to do as Christians, X, Y, and Z. Um, I challenge you to read those books because it will help change your perspective and give you more of a Christ-like view of things and just how to love the world better and love as, as Christ loved. And, you know, one story that sticks out in the book is, she literally was called to the altar one time by Shane Claiborne, another author, um, to leave her shoes at the altar at an Easter service. And she happened to be wearing a brand new pair of cowboy boots her her husband had given her, and they were really nice. And she was like, Lord, are you joking right now? And um, anyway, she did it. And, you know, obviously it was very liberating. It was probably one of the best things she ever did. And when she said they left that service in downtown Austin and it happened to be raining that night and they, everyone from the service was running to their cars barefoot. And I still get goosebumps even thinking back on reading that part of her book because, you know, it was one of those things like Shane Claiborne was going to visit a homeless shelter in San Antonio the next day. So he was simply putting forth a call to action to leave your shoes at the altar. But it meant so much more than that. It meant like, what are we willing to give up for others? You know, yes. Are we going to be so attached to our brand new cowboy boots? Are we going to be so attached to our material things that we are not going to give them for others? And 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 for me, some of those, some of her stories from those books and her experiences have just stuck with me. Of like, I I never want to be attached to material things like that again because Christ certainly wasn't. And although I do like nice things, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Um, I don't ever want them to define me or me to be attached to them. Well, the second question will tie into exactly, I think, what we're chatting chatting about right there. But tomorrow you discover that your wealthy uncle has shockingly died at 103, leaving you, Amy Brown, with millions. What would you do with this newfound wealth? I'm building a new orphanage in Haiti for an orphanage that I support. Um, My husband and I and uh, the Bobby Bone Show and one of my best friends, Mary, and even the shop forward, Pimp and Joy, Espoir. My friend Mary and I have another line called Espoir that 100% of the proceeds. Espoir means hope in Haitian Creole. Mm-hmm. And we are con- we are constantly fundraising like crazy, trying to just keep that orphanage afloat, along with other people that care about the place. We're not mm-hmm. the sole people by any means. But if I had, if I had a million dollars or more, that is exactly what I would do. I mean, I, I would probably do responsible things like pay off yes. our house and, and yada, 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 uh, go do something cool. But I would straight up build these kids the coolest orphanage they've ever seen that has like grass and a soccer field and a yard. Their current situation is basically downtown Port-au-Prince and it's all concrete and mm-hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not nice at all. It's nice for them, but it's just not what I would want for them. And man... Oh, I have so many ideas. I would go down there in a heartbeat and buy them a bunch of land and build them an orphanage. Awesome. If your house caught fire and all living things, that means people and animals are out, and you have a chance mm-hmm. to run in and grab one item, just just mm-hmm. one, what would you grab? Oh, man. Golly, I... Uh, just one? This question I know. is brutal. I mean, I have to say my, I have to say my computer. <laughs> um, 
it's so the 2017 answer, but everything's on there. Yes, I, mean, I hear you. I would say, I think we used to be able to say, well, I'd have to get a photo album or um, something sentimental, but all of my pictures are on my computer. Mm-hmm. And so then if I lose my, well, shoot, depending. Have I put everything on a hard drive? Well, then I'd have to get the hard drive. I don't know what to tell you. Either way, it's going to be my computer or my hard drive because that is where all my photos are. That is where all my life is. Everything is in that. There's so much in there that's way more than a photo album. And there's my, like, we scan everything these days. Yeah. Even old pictures that used to not, yes. videos. And yeah, I guess to simply put it, I, I'd have to do we, my computer. We need to get Amy it's Brown a little I'm, cloud space. So we're, we're going to be talking about that offline, my friends. But uh, we're going to move on from. Oh, my husband doesn't, my husband doesn't let me use the cloud. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't believe know. in the cloud. We're not into really giving people access to ha- a lot of our information, um, John. So FYI, we're very on lockdown. Hey, awesome. I think that's wise. All right, so we're going to keep keep moving forward. If you have an opportunity to sit on a bench overlooking a beach and have a long conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would hmm. you want to be hanging out on that bench with? Um, Robin Roberts. Tell me about Robin Roberts. Uh, well, I've just always been inspired by her as, as a female in, in her, um, well, broadcasting and her journey with cancer and her journey as um, breaking barriers as a woman, especially as an African-American woman. And my children um, are Haitian, so my children are black. I, I want them to have a mentor, um, uh, someone to look up to that uh, is like them. Um, that I've always was advised, even when we were adopting, like, obviously I'm not black. I cannot relate to certain things that my children are going to go through as they grow up, um, with different colored skin than me. Um, and I, I secretly want Robin Roberts to like kind of be their, their godmom <laughs> or something. I have this little secret Robin Roberts crush. I don't know. I watch her all the time. I just think she's super cool. I've always wanted to meet her. Never have. And um, I hope to meet her one day, like if I get to, I don't know. Hey, listeners, uh, if, if anyone has a contact to Robin yes. Roberts, let's make yes. sure this gets forwarded on. And, and what an incredible compliment to Robin. I know. So, I mean, obviously, I could give you a million different answers of cool people I would want to do that with. But since she's still alive and I probably still could maybe one day sit on a bench with her and talk with her, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. All right, well, th- let's make that happen. I'm going to keep moving down the path, though. What is the best advice that Robin Roberts or anyone else has ever given you? So what's the best advice you've ever received? Um, golly, I would have to be, I would have to just, again, take another play from my mom's book of, um, you know, cho- choosing joy. Like, I have not, I have not always, um, been that way. I, I think the last few years I was, I learned the difference between, you know, happiness and, and, and joy and truly choosing it. I mean, every day is not going to be roses and I'm not asking you anybody to fake it and not to live in the moments that are, that are hard. And I think you need to recognize those moments. Don't, don't deny yourself that because that's where you can really grow. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that, that's, that's part of the advice too. Um, and that's what I was given that advice from my mom as well, is to, to choose the joy and, and be joyful, but also live in those hard times and recognize them. Do not sweep them under the rug, mm-hmm. because if you do, you will miss the opportunity to, to learn from that, to grow from that, to, to you're, we're constantly being molded into to ourselves, to our people, mm. to who we're supposed to be the next day, the next week, the next year. And I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't, um, if you don't, if you push those bad, those bad moments under the rug. Um, yes. But ultimately, the bigger picture would be to try to really choose joy. So that way you're not missing out on the joys in life, because there's sometimes we can get stuck in a rut and then you're just this miserable person to be around, and I don't, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> well, uh, I don't think you are. It's certainly not the impression I have as a follower of yours. So let, let's go through the final two, and then we will wrap up. So Amy Brown, 
What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Mm. It's okay that he dumped you. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess since you say 20 years old, oh my gosh, my boyfriend that broke up with me when I was 20 years old, I was devastated. Like it, 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 it devastated me. I thought my life was over. Um, (laughs) So I don't know if that's, I mean, there's probably so many things I would go back and tell myself, but it would be that it would be that don't just don't, let a guy, I, I was letting that relationship define me and, um, and don't let a, don't let another person define you Mm. unless, you know what I mean? Yes. I I hear you loud and clear. I took notes on that. That is awesome. Do not be defined by somebody else. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like work on finding yourself first. And I was at a, a, in my twenties in my early twenties, especially my late teens, my early twenties, I was so worried about who everybody else needed me to be or who I thought everybody else wanted me to be that I was not finding my true self. And I, I feel like I missed out on some stuff because of that. So that would, that would be some advice there for that. Amy, this is my final question. It has been said that all great podcast hosts, DJs, women, wives, people, leaders in life, all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you want your one sentence to read? Um, I mean, can I be more of a motto? Yes, it could be a motto. I don't know that it'd be. Well, I, I think of, I kind of think of what we had to put on. I know, I feel like my mom has had a major theme here, um, which I think is totally fine because she's who gave birth to me. Um, but on my mom's tombstone or headstone, it says her joy is complete. And on, on one side and on the other side, it said she chose joy. And for me, I think, and not that you're asking for what I want to be. Well, did you sort of in a way say what I want to be remembered for? Why am I thinking of a tombstone for whatever reason? I love it. I think you're you're going in the right direction. Sorry. I like to talk through things. I, sorry, I'm not very, um, and, and how I get paid to talk. I don't know. Cause sometimes I just have to really talk myself through thoughts. Uh, I, I have two tattoos on my body, John. I've got joy and I have espoir, which I think I, I did mm-hmm. mention earlier. Um, so I ended up getting the joy tattoo in my mom's handwriting um, so that I remember to choose joy. So I'm serious about it. And then espoir I have um, because my husband and I are adopting two kids from Haiti and espoir means hope. And I wanted to wake up every day with a reminder that there, my kids will be here. It's been a long, grueling process, about four and a half years. So um, I have hope that they will be in our home one day very, very soon. And so I would think that because these two words are tattooed on my body, that maybe the thing that would sum me up, my motto would be like, um, choose joy, have hope or something like that. I don't know. No, Amy Brown, it has been <laughs> such a pleasure getting to know you, getting to hear a little bit more about the journey that has led you to be the, the radio host and personality that you are, the mother that you already are, and the spouse and the leader. And, and uh, your mother is so proud that you continue pimping joy in the way that you go about work and relationships and life. So thank you for pimping joy with us today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for letting me do that. And thank you for what you do to encourage and inspire others as well. My friends, that is Amy Brown. I am John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired. Well, my friends, Amy Brown has quite a story in saying the name Amy. Uh, she makes me smile. But in hearing the, the story of her mother and her courage and her fight, It makes this guy, John O'Leary, want to be pimping a little bit more joy than I currently am. I think it's a cool symbol to wear on your hat. It's a great way also, though, to dance your way through the storms of life, whether that's a diagnosis, hardship uh, in a relationship, struggles financially, whatever you're dealing with today. And we all, every one of us, we're dealing with something. How cool to realize that in spite of what we've been through, it does not need to define how we show up, uh, the kind of hat we wear, the kind of motto that we put on it, the kind of life we live, the kind of legacy we leave behind, the kind of impact that we have here years and years, in this case, after Amy's mother's passing. 
Pimp Enjoy. I also really enjoyed the the bumper stickers that Amy wears proudly on her body. These tattoos, uh, one meaning hope, and the other in her own mother's handwriting, joy. Hope and joy. It's worth grabbing on to both of those today. If you enjoyed this podcast, this episode, as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, do me a favor. Take a few moments right now. Don't wait for it. Just right now to post some commentary around this on social media, whether that's your your own social handles or you want to rate this show wherever you grab your podcast, that's fine too. But take a few moments right now to help us promote the Live Inspired movement. It is a very cool way to help us share good news in a marketplace that I am convinced, and I know you are too, that is starved for it. So tell your friends. Uh, tell your colleagues at work, tell those that you may hang out with, that you worship with, that you live with, that this is something that they ought to check out. The Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. It makes a difference. And in doing so, we collectively are making a difference. We are pushing now toward the half million mark in downloads. Uh, That's you. And I'm grateful that you are part of this movement, part of this journey. And thank you for helping grow it, and continue the impact of it going forward. If you want to learn more about the movement and more about the work that we are doing here, consider checking out JohnO'LearyInspires.com. JohnO'LearyInspires.com is where you can check out all the previous podcasts, all of our blogs, all of our vlogs, all of our work, our writings, our thoughts, our hearts, where we've been, where we're going next, and what it means to you. It's a great website. Check it out. Uh, and then share it with those around you. It's a cool way to keep this message moving forward. We'll also have the show notes from Amy, but also all the show notes there. So check out John O'Leary, inspires.com. Well, my friends, the music means it is coming to its appropriate conclusion and the launch of your life going forward. So for this time and until next time, this is John O'Leary, and today is your day live inspired.